0: What's up, Rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder Podcast. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page and follow us on iTunes and Spotify. I'm Metal Dave Glessner, along with my co-host Jason McMaster, and we are honored and excited to have George DeLivo from Rhino Bucket with us today.
1: Unbelievable that we have scored this uh george is a friend he's uh um taken a three-year hiatus uh from music uh not just not only rhino bucket and uh uh had to work some things out obviously and and we as artists have to do that sometimes and uh so good that his recent announcement uh gave us full uh full disclosure on the basics of uh Of the return of him and rhino bucket
0: yeah we're we're lucky to have him he's a great guy we're both fans of the band i know you have a history with rhino bucket and with george and uh they have an upcoming european tour that we'll talk about with that we should get into our segment today with the mighty george Delivo from rhino bucket And here he is, folks, please welcome George Delivo from the mighty Rhino Bucket. Yeah. Hey, thanks for having me. Crowd goes crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for being here, man. How are you?
2: I'm well, you know, thanks for having me. I really appreciate uh, talking to you guys. I I see some, uh, I haven't met you, Dave, but I uh, see a very good friend of mine there, Jason, who I've known for a long time and miss very much
0: yes yeah you, I, we've yeah. actually met but i know you meet a million people in your travels but uh, i i met you a few times did we have sex uh i'm i can't confirm nor deny that <laughs> okay
2: well then you must have been on top
0: <laughs> <laughs> see it's coming back you did meet me
2: yeah we did yeah
0: what what's going on with you in california you are in california correct
2: yeah currently yeah i mean i live here i live in yeah. l.a and uh You know, we were talking a little bit earlier, you know, people think that when you live in LA, it's all Hollywood mansions and sandy beaches and Baywatch and all that. And I live in a different part of LA, (laughs) which which is actually more conducive to playing hard rock. You know, it's a little bit more, you know, industrial, a little bit harder and all that. Great neighbors, great neighborhood, but still it's, you know, it's working class and, you know, we're a working class band, so yeah it's all uh we're all good with that
0: and uh and the band is is back uh you took a hiatus there for a couple of years kind of bring us up to date on uh when you called it quits last time and what prompted this uh return and tell us a little bit about your upcoming european tour
1: sure no um we didn't take a hiatus i quit
0: Okay yeah <laughs> and I so wanna, I mean
1: I, I want to interrupt right here and I want to just <laughs> get our hands totally filthy dirty right here if you don't mind No there's something that I want to get in get into that's that may it's emotional for me to think about so it's probably good that we do this early instead of later um, <laughs> there was you and I have had some conversations about how you know man this sucks i can't make any money doing this i remember one time you and i were standing in the hallway of a of a hotel and we were talking about your european booking agent and you were trying to help broken teeth and i was talking to him and i was just like you know if i'm going to be gone this long and i think i had a little bit of a breakdown and you were completely consoling and then you know a couple years later you 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 know you you took your guitar off yeah you you bailed on on rock and roll um wh- that sounds so heavy but dude it was heavy to me and people were like what the fuck how can george quit rock and roll because you are rock and roll so Aww. that was a really scary 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 thing for a lot of people until you i think outed your entire you you, you cut your heart out and you laid it on a platter and you go, look at this. This is what's going on right now. And you said, this is the reason why I left rock and roll. And those words sounded like...
2: Well, basically, I mean, it wasn't sustainable for the band at the time. And, you know, it's questionable now, but there's a different reason why I came back. But I, I you know, I, I looked at these guys who had spent so much of their lifetime and so much of their life energy helping me, you know, keep this band going. And we're all equal. It's, this, this is not Bon Jovi. I'm not like the band leader. And you know, no one's a hired gun. They're all band members. And for myself also, it's like, I just saw like, wow, we are all in such a bad place. You know, we're not 22 anymore. You know, where's our rebound? How are we going to, And it was just heartbreaking to me because I was just like, you know, we we put out these albums, we uh, we tour Europe, we do gigs in America, we do this, we do that. And still, you know, you know, Brian was always okay because he had kicks. Yeah. But for the rest of us, we were like, oh, man, this this is heartbreaking, you know, I mean, that the amount of work that we've done and everything like that, so uh, Kind of, and, and for myself too, I was like, basically for the last year, I was living off my wife and I'm like, and, you know, and I love her and she's great, but I, you know, you can't do that to anyone for extended period of time. All musicians do it for a little bit. Right. <laughs> it was like, right. But um, so it was really hard because I was like, you know, you always like hope for the next rainbow and pot of gold and then after you've done it for 30 years, you kind of realize, like, maybe that's not going to happen. But inside of you, the child inside of you still keeps going like, uh, yeah, we just need, you know, we need that one music placement in a movie. We need that one thing, blah, blah, blah. So... uh an old, I was manager,
1: just, an old manager used to tell me, Jason, it's going to be okay. You're only broke till your next publishing check. And I'm like, have you seen my fucking publishing check?
2: I know, exactly. Fuck, <laughs> I, I think I got one click. for like. I
1: should have just went click.
2: I think <laughs> I got like one for 35 bucks the other day. Oh, yeah. gross. <laughs> you <laughs> know, Great. I won't even cash it because I want to fuck up their accounts. You know.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, um, you know, it was heartbreaking, you know. The, in that sense, what I really appreciated when it happened is like I, you know, I, I mean these guys are my brothers and I love them. And um, when I said that, no one had a problem. They all understood. Wow. And I think there was a sigh of relief on all of them, also because they they saw their own lives, and in this four year gap, well, three year gap, three and a half year gap, um, they've gotten there. Yeah, I've gotten my stuff together. He's everyone's gotten their stuff together, so it was like good because you know relationships have solidified and everyone's financially well. You know, I'm not going to buy the ten million dollar Bugatti, okay? Right, but it's okay. I'm I'm fine. You 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 know, and I was caught up a little
1: financially.
2: Yeah, and I was just really worried about the band because I was like, you know, I mean, I can't take the responsibility of these guys. Who have been so loyal and so fantastic and great musicians to just run their uh, fucking lives into the grind. because,
1: Because you want to be the cheerleader out front. Come on, follow me into the flames. You know, right? And, exactly, and they the would, cave. and they did, and they all, and they
2: did, and, yeah, and they always did. And it's like, like, don't worry, the cave's not that deep. You know, right? <laughs> <I mean, like,
0: laughs> <that's crazy. laughs> and then you're like, ah. Yeah. So you did, um,
1: you did say something. Uh, you, I think that you said it in this like. Uh, vomitorium of words when you went basically on Facebook and said, here's the reason why, uh, mm-hmm. business is not friendly to me right now. So I'm stepping right. out, I'm fucking out and not fuck you, but fuck you. And, uh, you, 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 ba- we basically had the same conversation in person a couple of times or one and a mm-hmm. half times at least from what I recall. And, and then you used the word both times to, in my same air we were breathing, as well as in this three years ago Facebook, uh, you right. know, uh, colorful essay is you said music is devalued. Yes,
0: I remember um, that. Yeah, that
2: and that it, you know, and that's that's uh, that was one of the things we had multiple income streams. You know, we you know, with the wherewithal and the energy, we could go play live uh we would make records to sell records but basically to go play live because we'd sell them live uh we had a Astate records was a fantastic label for us and we're still kind of with them I'm not sure they know um (laughs) uh, (laughs) they were they were super aggressive on getting placements just various Mm -hmm. placements Mm -hmm. But then music, the music industry changed and what happened was like the same placement we would get for, we, we did this movie for, uh what's his name? Tom Hayden Church. He was in Wings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. um uh, uh Was it Raising Kansas or something like that? Tom
1: Hayden Church. I believe he's from Texas.
2: He is. He has a rancher. He told he's me. From, he's yeah. from
1: Corpus Christi, Texas, where I'm from. Yeah. yeah.
2: Great guy. So, yeah. you know, just to... Um, like, put it in perspective. Oh, he was in did, wine,
1: wine Country. I think he that was he We company.
2: did, like, these... We did, a I think, original song and a bunch of plug-ins. Spent two days in the studio for his movie before the industry changed and got paid X amount of dollars. Okay, great. You know, sustainable. You know, everyone's getting some money. Um, then we did a song that was in The Wrestler with Mickey Rourke mm-hmm. made $750 and they never paid us. Uh, and-, and then everything changed. There was this shift in publishing and, and you know, I, I don't really get into too deep and all that, but where they, uh, what used to be, where you get paid for, and this gets a little technical, mechanical rights, sync rights, mm-hmm. and artist royalties. Uh, going into you know a placement in a TV show, commercial, you know Fox, MTV background, whatever, a movie was set at a set rate. And then this publishing guy came out and started saying like, well, I can get you 20, 30, 40, 50 more placements, but I'm going to co-publish with you. Right. And then everyone lost money. And in the end, if I'm correct, there was an interview which said like, yeah, what I did was – The wrong move but in the meantime it destroyed the income streams for so many bands at our level yeah you know i mean acdc wasn't concerned you know although i did see an acdc song on what was it applebee's
1: yeah (laughs) and that hurt me Uh, walmart yeah 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 Yeah, you
2: know we're back in black you know with the applebee's ribs or something (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah 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 so Broken teeth has a, has a guy that we we won't t- we won't mention companies or company names or anything but it's a 50/50 with the co-publishing. He does the you know renames right. the songs and and uh, it's still our music, but it's got under a slightly different title so you know, oh when you get the check and it's pennies, you can see. The, the the different yeah, but the names. problem the, oh,
2: the yeah. problem is that the way that because the publishing is such a fog the problem is that what happened what was happening is that they were saying that they were just republishing it as a co-publisher because uh writing is separated and there's writers and publishers it's you know 50 50
1: yeah
2: um but they were taking they were putting themselves on as writer credits also oh no to, oh, to split no. the whole you know to say yeah. say there's a dollar and fifty census writers and fifty census publishers. Yeah. So they were going like, Well, okay, but we're gonna put up come over here too a little bit. So it got really messy and it got yeah. really yeah. low.
1: That's where that's where they there should be a lawyer involved in there, because they, they didn't write anything.
2: No, I know, but the I thing understand, is that understand that fight like, is Yeah, I know. You know, yeah. it's like I wanna sue Apple. For my that I have an iPhone 11 Max now, but my iPhone six rock. So I want to sue Apple and say <laughs> you like, why can't them. I just keep that damn thing? Why do I have to buy yeah. a new phone every three years? Right, right. But you know, I show up with my you know seventy five dollars an hour Van eyes attorney, and they show up with just an army. <laughs> you know, if you get the the analogy, so
0: yeah. So yeah, I I remember the announcement on Facebook, and it was very honest and uh, and and I remember the word that Jason brought up: uh, music is devalued. Was yes. the word that you used, and wasn't sustainable. It was a very honest uh, announcement. You're you're in a better place apparently now, and you're you're on your way to Europe. Why why Europe first? Well, As, well
2: first of all, let me address: music is still devalued yeah sure it's still it's still not appreciated um it's still not you know um it's not compensated it's no the artist is not you know we you can build a chair but i designed the chair so if i didn't design a chair you wouldn't have a chair to build
1: yeah intellectual property is
2: right so why so why am i always not i but all of us always on the bottom of the totem pole to getting any kind of profit from this yeah yeah you know and the internet you know promised like oh we can all be equal and all that kind of stuff but that never happened you know spotify pays like what a millionth of a penny for a play you know so
1: yeah Tens upon tens of a cent. Yeah.
2: Right. So now it's not really about um, the fact that I, I don't, I still feel that music is devalued. I still feel that musicians are not uh, compensated enough. And I still feel that, especially songwriters, should be given a better break. But it was kind of like um, this is what I do. And yeah. I didn't do it for three and a half years or almost four years yeah and it was I just saw myself as like really sad and depressed yeah because you know I, I would look at my horizon you know you always have to look at your horizon. and I was talking to a good friend of mine the other day or yesterday actually I said you always have to look at your horizon and set goals. It's like it could be you know whoever you are. you could be in sports, you could be in accounting. You can be a librarian, but you want to look at your horizon. You want to set goals. And I realized that for the last three and a half years, my horizon was that and there were no goals. And I just went like, I can't spend the end game of my life. I'm young still. I'm only 22 years old
0: i can tell you look you look 19 so oh, i was getting past 2021 20, but okay. right
2: yeah, yeah. You know. i had a motorcycle accident so it, <laughs> <laughs> so so you want to have that and and I, it, I realized it was um and i talked to my wife and all that kind of stuff and and i realized that it's what what i was missing i was desperately missing it you know just to the the creative outlet the ability to bring ideas into a rehearsal room and have, uh, three dear friends who I really trust look at me and go, well, that sucks.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Or that's great.
2: Yeah. That's great. But, you know, but either way that there was, you know, it was just, it it wasn't just me sitting in, you know, my room going, well, I guess that could be a song. I don't know what (laughs) you doing.
1: I talk about this. (laughs) crap all the time with people it's like you're gonna write uh 10 songs that you don't know if they're any good or not right well one of your band guys goes oh what was that so yeah yeah
2: yeah and a lot of times also like you'll have something that where you're like ah, i just don't know and they'll go like yeah but that solo section rocks you yeah know, as a room exactly. guitar player and it's like i got this song let, let me put it in that you know because we've always been a collaboration so uh Yeah, you know, and I missed that. I was was like, you know, my stance from that original Facebook thing uh, or post um, hasn't changed. Yeah. I still feel the same way. Yeah. But I realized that I kind of shot myself in the face with, you know, with the fact that I underestimated how much I would desperately miss the camaraderie Of being in a band and you know doing the travels doing the gigs doing the music you know just me because otherwise just become the shell
1: you were desperately missed you could tell by when your announcement came out that everyone just like completely got oh I was blown blown away away. I was I was like everyone everyone loves Rhino Bucket I mean if they don't know if people don't know who Rhino Bucket is and they claim themselves to, uh, you know, bow down to the altar of rock and roll. They have no idea. They, they don't know what rock and roll is <laughs> well, until, until we, they've yeah. heard Rhino Bucket. So You're
0: too yeah. kind. We can't well, be friends. We, <laughs> <laughs> Same with
2: Junkyard and Dangerous Toys, There too. you go.
0: Yeah, so, well, George, the reason I asked the question um, is, uh, given everything that you've, you've mentioned about, you know, not being uh, compensated appropriately and that sort of thing, It struck me as odd that you would that you would launch a tour in Europe, because to me, it seems like it would be a more expensive venture than, you know, getting in the van and doing some stateside dates. So what was the appeal of Europe? Is there a better deal? Is there a better audience? Why Europe? Um, I wouldn't say a better audience. Audiences are great, you know, in America and
2: Europe, you know, rock and roll audiences, they show up and they, you know, they support you. Um, We did a lot of groundwork in Europe you know um a lot and
1: yeah i would i would jump in now and say uh you guys have been going over there for literally about seven or eight years now and you've built up this thing over there right
2: well well yeah i mean we took a break but like i think our first tour was 2010 perhaps well um
1: that's so yeah right yeah
2: so so we um so, I mean, truthfully, honestly, Dennis, uh, the, the thing was that when, you know, I called the band and, you know, just again to reiterate that, you know, there was no fallout. We're all friends. We always talked. We kept in touch. Um, it was great. And I said like, okay, um, I really need to do this for myself. And I'm hoping that you guys come with me on this. And I'm going to be honest with you. I won't do it if you don't. 'Cause you know, I had offers like, hey, you know, come play here and we'll we'll build a band around you. And I'm like, No. Yeah, that's gross. <laughs> that, that, that's not what I'm about. You know, I'm like, oh you know, and they all agreed. And I said, like, well the thing is we're gonna what we're gonna do is because we have such a good relationship with teenage head music over in, in Europe and the clubs there still remember us, you know, what we're gonna do is it's like, I'm gonna make the phone call. Yeah. And i called manny at uh, teenage head music and i said like look it's gonna be uh you know well, i'd like to do it in january and he was like okay well who's in the band because he had the same thoughts he's like mm-hmm. dude i don't i don't want to do some ego trip with you and a bunch of yahoo's from van nuys you know
1: yeah a 19 um, year old bass player that's never had a gig right
2: right yeah and has recently discovered meth <laughs> <laughs> so
1: well, you, had to, you had to tear him down that much more. Did you?
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, and when Manny heard that it was the original lineup, well, the lineup that it has been for the last decade, um, that he was like, okay, I'll take care of it. And um, he announced it. And within 48 hours, half the tour was already booked because every club jumped on it.
0: Amazing. It's
2: great. So that was really good. Now, as far as America, we love America. There's places that we played that we really want like rhythm and bruise in yeah. uh Coshocton. You've yeah. been there, just uh, of course. You know, stuff like that. Coshocton, Austin. Ohio, yeah. Cos oh, yeah, Coshocton, Ohio.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Um Austin. There's places we're gonna play. We just gotta figure out kind of how to do it because it's so much harder now because in in uh, Europe there's still a uh, how, how how can I put this? You can still book a gig on a Tuesday night and people show up. But yeah. book a gig in LA on a Tuesday night, good luck. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and and that's... That's, a, that's, yeah. that's
1: the difference between Europe <laughs> like, and people I can... Yeah, uh,
2: and the fans are the greatest here and the greatest there. So we were able to do a sustainable tour from, you know, the beginning of January all the way to February without... You know, without having a day off, without losing money when we're not working. And, you know, I think we still have the record with Teenage Head Music. I think we did like 56 gigs in a row or 56 gigs in 58 days.
0: Amazing.
2: Ah, you're just working, you know? I mean, it's like, you know, it's like Reeve had a great line where people say, like, George is never going to be able to sing every night. And Reeve goes, I've rehearsed with that guy seven days a week, getting ready for an album. He sang every day at rehearsal. So he can do this. Yeah. and i was like yeah you're right you know you just not every
1: kind singer of, can not every singer can though you
2: just gotta it's psychological
1: yes it is you have to you know your, uh it's it's like uh uh it's like if you can still run the next day after yeah. you ran a marathon then yes you can so it is psychological
2: yeah, it's psychological. I mean, like you can psych yourself out and a lot of singers psych this about that, oh I need this, I need that, and it's like and you know, okay, maybe not every night is paparotti. No. But you you get through it and you do it. And yeah. you just you, you just have to determine to do it. Yeah. So So I I think... I'm not sure I answered your fucking question.
1: (laughs) You have to be smart
0: about it. You just have to be smart about it, George. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I think that everybody's going to want to know, is there an album on the way or in the works? Because now that you're reactivated, can we expect new music?
2: Well, the thing about... I'm trying to figure this out for this year. So I'm not sure... Uh, and this is complete honesty. It's like, I don't know if we can get all the mechanics together. We're always writing songs. Um, i I like the song pool right now. I don't love it. So you know, we're trying to um, trying to see what we can do, but definitely, I mean that that's, you know, we're just, uh, you know, I think Steve Whiteman made a joke from Kicks. It's like, and then there's Rhino Bucket. They release an album every week. Um, where <laughs> we, uh, I, I, I never want to be a, a cover band of Rhino Bucket. Yeah. So we will always, always, you know, and we all write, and uh, you know, we will always put out new material because I think that's the essence of the band that I want to be in. Is that you know we celebrate the songs that people love and we'll always claim for them, but we will always create new music because that keeps us exciting for us too. It keeps us exciting as a writer and then as a performer. It's like, you know, sometimes you like blast out a new tune and people go like, wow, that sucked. <laughs> you <know? laughs> but you want to write, you want to uh, uh, you want to be on that tightrope. Yeah. Because yeah. otherwise you're just doing cabaret and you know right fair enough so
0: fair enough so tour first album possibly somewhere in the future
2: no definitely album in the future definitely yeah my my biggest challenge right now is to get um is to try to get something going before then
1: by the Um, way i have to have to get in here and say you know you said you you know you'll never be a rhino bucket cover band well we'll, that's why i formed broken teeth (laughs)
2: <laughs> no hey dennis you want to know a backstory about broken teeth mm-hmm. uh, jason's gonna hate me dave jared david dennis
1: that's all right all
0: that's right all larry right jared you can edit. hey mo hey. curly whatever no 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 you're larry from now on <laughs> hey, Fine. Hey, larry, be,
1: larry be quiet hey, jocelyn you can edit that out
0: so. No, I'll leave yeah. it yeah. i like it that's me yeah. i mean like I'm, I'm larry now yeah i once right. i
2: once forgot the name of one of my children i'm like <laughs> you i know you yeah <laughs> i know you're one of mine mm-hmm. okay um so um you're gonna tell me david a story um yeah. jared i believe it was jared actually called uh jason for my number
1: no it was it was paul
2: paul, paul idel yeah called paul, jason paul. for my yes. number because yeah. he wanted to form a band and when Paul described the band to Jason, Jason goes like, "Fuck it, I'll sing for you." I've heard this
0: story. Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah. George, you beat me to it because I was going to bring that up about the sort of like uh, the genesis of the beginnings of the idea behind Broken Teeth, and it was there was a label involved. It was Paris Records.
2: Oh, I know. Uh, him. The, yeah,
1: yeah, and it was Tom Mathers. Um, was involved and uh, it it was when he was in uh, in Austin his company was in Austin he's he's uh, in College Station up near Houston now but or down near Houston so so yes George you are correct but what it was is Paul and Bruce had a band pre Broken Teeth uh, and they, they it was an all original band and they were looking for a studio and Tom, her, they 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 knew Tom at Paris had a rec- had a little recording studio in his warehouse, and he's he was like uh he was like yeah you guys can record here and you don't even have to pay me but what I need what I want you to do for me is write you know write a separate record that sounds like this, and Paul was like oh well I. You know, everybody knows Paul was in Dirty Looks, which was right right in there with all of this style of dirty rock and roll that we all love and the reason that we even have a show here. So, you know, when you think like that, It's like, oh well that's that's making sense. And then like I even think it was Tom at Paris that was going, and you should guys should try to get George from Rhino Bucket to sing and Paul was like, Oh, I think Jason has George's number. Little (laughs) little did they know as soon as I heard about it, I was like, I ain't give how do you think you're gonna give you gonna pay me for George's? You ain't getting George's George (laughs) who Yeah because (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I know George. The thing is is this sounds so much like so much fun. I want to be the fucking singer of this because you guys are I, lo- great. I love Rhino Bucket so much that I'm going to be in this band. You know, that's pretty much what it was.
2: But yeah. we did a lot of gigs together, Broken Teeth and Rhino Bucket. Yeah. And they were yeah. great. We loved you guys.
1: And there are other, uh, there are other people in the world. think the Lord rock and roll Jesus that uh, feel the same way. They have paired it in a couple of places. And one of them is, uh, Uh, rhythm and bruise Uh, yeah yeah ron ron got gets it and uh and michael hannon gets it michael hannon yeah,
2: salty dog
1: yeah Yeah, understands all of it american dog well,
2: american dog salty dog originally american dog and then you know now um i think keith pickens and um
1: yeah
2: oh the guitar player i love him
1: uh damn steve steve thetos that's right very good
2: yeah, yeah, they they have and the drummer um well they're they're with my friendship but um uh, no, uh Rat got- Bastard Syn- uh, Syndicate.
1: Oh. Is that a, yeah. a a different project? What is yeah. that? Yeah. Oh. What what is that? What's Rat Bastard Syndicate? It's
2: it's kind of like uh uh American Dog. Okay. But it's different members and Okay you know, it rocks. It's great. And Mike still, Mike, Mike kind of walked away from things too. Like did. I did. Yeah, he And he ever shows up every now and then, but. Yeah. I, but he's, I, a,
1: he's a fan of the show and uh, I see his name every once in a while still. And he's still one of us. He didn't really go anywhere, but yeah, you're right. Right. You know, he's, exactly. He's, definitely, no, he's definitely
2: one of us. And when we, when I said that, you know, this is going to happen and, and we're playing that, you know, also that Monsters of Rock uh, in Tennessee, yeah. Pigeon yeah. Ford. I'll bring my musket. Like, <laughs> right? What it's, the it's, fuck?
1: Is like, this new thing on on that on that mountain gig, in Tennessee? I
2: guess, yeah. I mean, it's it seems really cool, you know. And, well, um, you know, it was oh. when Larry. Um, for those of you who don't know, Larry is one of the main guys that handles the Monsters of Rock thing. Right, and when he heard that we were going to Europe, he goes like, "Hey, I got this thing in Tennessee. If you want to do it," and we right. were like, "I mean, we still we're still in the mechanics of getting everything rolling, you know, getting, you know, yeah. you got to figure out rehearsals and all." We're kind of scattered around the world. Brian's in Nashville, Reeves in Austria. I'm in LA. Dave's in the desert somewhere. Okay, um, loves it, but you know, getting everything together. But he goes like, "I go like, well, when would this be?" And he goes like, "Oh, it's October." Um, I think it's 15, 16 17th or something like that.
1: Yeah, you're right. So that, that's it's called Monsters on the Mountain or something like that. Mountains,
2: yeah. So we, we go like, yeah, we'll do that. And again, that goes back to my whole thing about, you know, the horizon and goals, because now that distant goal about we gotta get to Europe on January second and be ready with everything. Now we pulled that goal closer to us. Okay, we gotta be ready by this time. Yeah. And it's a it's a way to live life and it's a way to be you know, kind of alpha. You know mm-hmm. that you know you're going, you're being uh, proactive, not retroactive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you but might- I would love to do gigs with uh, Broken Teeth, Dangerous yeah. Toys. Yeah, I'd love to do gigs with you guys. Yeah. Well,
1: maybe we can make that happen if you if you guys book a run. Uh, yeah. Sometimes sometime next next year, and you come through Texas. Uh, which we've done in the past. Uh, right. We, we'll just jump on with you. I think that broken teeth is, I think I'm letting a cat out of the bag here. There's some junkyard dates in December that the teeth are doing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah. So same, yeah. same kind of thing. We just kind of have to do that. George, yeah, well,
2: I'll just, I'll just book us, you know, four and a half weeks in Texas. There you go. Okay. We'll do Lubbock, <laughs> San Antonio. Yep. Austin, okay. Houston, okay. and just. Keep yeah, on Dave, doing it for Dave's a backyard. month. <laughs> Dave, Dave's
0: backyard. My backyard. backyard. Yeah. yeah.
2: Dave's backyard. <laughs> We're going to stay there for a week. That's yeah. fine. Come yeah. on.
1: <laughs> Frank Frank Meyer's uh, impression is on the, the couch, so you'll just. Yeah. <laughs> Frank yeah. was here on the couch,
0: so. Uh, George, oh I wanted to ask you. Uh, sorry, Jason, I didn't mean no, to. No, you're good. You're good. Uh, I, I, I've always wanted to know, and you've probably told the story a million times, but you haven't told me. And uh, I, I gotta know. Where did the name Rhino book? from? Uh, <laughs> you know, we came up with a bunch of smart ass answers great, over the years. It's and such and a thick ass name, man.
2: <laughs> it was a, it was, it, it kind of was a good name, but it's kind of you know. Now it's accepted and all that. At first, uh, we were. Probably confused with, uh, I don't know if anyone's going to remember this bad, but um, Toad, the wet sprocket. Yeah. Like in that genre of music, like Rhino Bucket, that's got to be some kind of like weird synthesizer kind of thing.
1: Alt, alt but, rock. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Alt rock. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. But um, so the, the truth of the matter is, you know, and we made jokes, you know, like, you know, every man has a rhino, every woman has a bucket because we're misogynistic. Um, <laughs> and you're honest yeah no but that wasn't it um we were actually this was before reeve was in the band and it was uh myself greg uh bob blinkhorn and rick kubach and we had gone to this club in received california and said like we want to play and the guy goes like oh, i don't know because i think his name was kevin he was a sweetheart Um, and he, uh, called me and we were, we happened to be in like a band acoustic rehearsal and he called me and said like, okay, well, I've got this gig, you know, next whatever day, but I gotta, uh, get a name for you guys for LA Weekly now. And I go like, how much time do we have? And he goes like, well, you got like 45 minutes. I'm like, okay, I'll call you back. This is before cell phones, so wow. this is actually like real phones. Yeah, of course. So I'm looking at the band, and I'm like, okay, we got to come up with a name. So Rick Kubak, who's from Hawaii, uh, said he wanted to call it the Rhino Chaser, which is a type of a long board. You know, but he was the only surfer in the band, so we looked at him like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Greg, being the eternal optimist that he was, wanted to call it Bucket of Lard. Or TP of ill repute. <laughs> no. So, so like all of those. No. So now, <laughs> i understand that uh, like, out of all the rock and roll names in the world, we did not come up in the top hundred as far as cool. But out of the options that we had, we fucking nailed it with Rhino Bucket.
0: <laughs> yeah, you did. Yeah. And so you did
2: great. You know so, what's, uh, what's
1: funny yeah, is, is that uh that story you told is very uncannily similar to the way Dangerous Toys got their name. We oh, were book, all right. booking agent on the phone and you know, I was the new guy. I replaced a, a, a female singer just you know, a month prior or something. I had done like maybe five rehearsals with these guys. And the, hey, we got to get you guys back in here. You know, they were called Onyx. They were the house band at the back room. And the guy was, like, feverishly, dude, you guys got to get back in here eventually. What the hell? Are you, you know, let, let me book a gig. I got a gig. I, I need a band name. And, oh, shit. Mark's like, what the hell are we going to call this thing? And, uh, I, you know, t- Scott's over there tuning uh, Bad Boys Make Dangerous Toys or... Or dangerous boys, or bad toys, or and I'm like just dangerous toys, and Mark was like, dangerous toys, and he got great, got it, click, and it was like, <laughs> we hate it, we if we hate it, we can change it, and we everyone was like, yeah, don't worry about it, we'll just change it later. It's just a gig to get Jason, you know, feet wet, whatever. Right, that's the uh, exact
2: same thing. It's
1: like,
2: you know, right over Are you sure? <laughs> and, and we're like, yeah, yeah, I know, you know. Man. And Greg and I are t- like talking afterwards, like, yeah, don't worry about it, we'll change it.
0: That's <laughs> what well, I love it. And, and as yeah. a as a journalist and a word geek, uh I just love the name because to me, it's two very strong sounding words just kind of collided together. It makes no sense, but. The the words and the way you enunciate it, it's just rhino bucket. You know, it just well, sounds it, it ball- has, oh, it
2: I have a great story about that. I may have to refill here, but. Um, <laughs> okay, go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, no, but the first story, and I'll refill. Uh, my friends in Airborne, Joel and Ryan and, you know, Jason, you know them. Great. Yeah. Man. Um, they, were <laughs> they were apparently somewhere in France. And backstage after a show, and one of the people who had a backstage pass came up, and this young young lady looked at me and goes, like, you know, um, I, I love you bad, but do you know Reno bouquet?"
0: <laughs> <laughs> Say that again, you R- Reno R- bouquet, Reno bouquet.
1: Oh, oh, oh! With
0: the accent Rhino French,
2: Bucket. Rhino Bucket. It's Rhino Bucket and with an and they've just lost it. <laughs> they
0: like you know, That actually has the opposite effect of what I was just describing. It almost exactly. sounds classy when you say it like that. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Reno
0: bouquet. Reno bouquet sounds almost like, sounds like a fine wine or yeah, something. Yeah, that's like the waiter. And major, here, is, you know? here,
2: here is the fourth symphony, second movement of George Lebo's Reno bouquet. <laughs> <laughs> wow I, I
1: i've heard it all now well, um,
0: i i think it's a great band name one of so, my favorites just it just so sounds what,
1: what year out. is this that you're coming up with this band name and doing your first uh gigs at, under the name rhino bucket um Rino I, bouquet
2: rhino bouquet mm-hmm. <laughs> I may change the band name to that just officially, just to mess with all the Germans. You know, how do you say this? Um, I think eighty-seven. Well, holy shit! Eighty-seven, eighty-eight. Because wow. I know that we got signed in eighty-nine.
1: Yeah, and I consider you guys part of the class of That's eighty-nine. Big, you know, all of those bands yeah. that. That sort of, uh, you know, I always say this too when I talk about the class of '89. There were things out L- LA Guns and Dirty Looks and DAD, and there was a lot of oh, yeah. you know, uh, different continents as well. And also
2: on the West Coast, Sea Hags and, yes, yes, and yes, the Hangmen yes, and, yes, and stuff like yes,
1: that. Yes, exactly. Who were all brutal, junkyard, brutally yeah. kick ass bands that, that had records out. But that class of '89, that summer of '89, was. Extremely special, um, and I feel like Bucket was a year after that, and I still pull you guys back. Yeah, in, in uh, it, we were ninety. Yeah. It's that a Michael J. Fox moment, a back in time. I pull you guys back <laughs> at least one summer. Um, let's talk about this right here. Let uh, me
2: let me refill. I'll be back in
1: refill. And we'll start with this. Right? Five seconds. Do it.
0: i'm like a fucking ninja look at that timing yeah you are perfect all right i bet jared even leave that in there yeah he should that was great
1: so i want to talk about this right here yes I am holding up the Rhino Bucket Live at the Coconut Teaser, July 24, 1990. Summer 90. Wow. Uh, one Night Stand, Inside Outside, my favorite bucket song of all time. Blood on the Cross, Swinging with Sally. Uh, train Ride, and of course, Ride the Rhino. Uh, uh, looks like uh, uh, some copyright info, 1990. Uh, 89.90 amazing girth music. This, I have to tell the story about how this came into my hands, and it was through Mark Geary and one Demetrius Bermudez at at, at either Leeds or Sir, where the toys were rehearsing. I think Mark was there to check out the drum kit or something. And you you guys might have been in another room or had, Dimi had loaded you guys out and, um, uh, he was, he, he met with Mark or recognized Mark or something like that because of.
2: Mark was me. Yeah. Yeah, her,
1: yeah. Your own tour manager. Uh, yeah. Yeah. George. Just, what are you I doing thought, here? I thought you just drove away. Uh, that's great. Oh my God. I'm going to start adding that into the story next time I tell it. Um, and, and this, not this particular copy, but uh, Dimi gave one of these to Mark and Mark, uh, comes running. We were standing at the Oakwoods. Comes running into, you know, our room and was like, "Oh my God! You have to! You have to hear this!" Oh my God! He was so excited for the rest of the toys guys to hear this, and I think oh, that's I, I great. Think, I think that. Uh, uh, this would have been after the debut Toys record because it's 90, right? So mm-hmm. this would have, we would have been in LA, L.A. starting to record Hellacious Acres or it was we we're making another video or something like that. Or it wasn't like, I don't know if we were there to play a game. I, we were working in L.A. for the week and we were right. obviously in a rehearsal place. Well,
2: there was a one time that we all met at that Chinese restaurant on Melrose for some kind of industry we uh, or EMI now, Craig, thing.
1: I invited you guys to a to an SBK music publishing company yes. Audie, and you and I think Reeve and uh, Greg Greg all came and there's yes. a fo- there's a beautiful photo someone snapped f- from that night of the three of you guys with Scott myself and I think Mike Mike Watson.
2: (laughs) Here we go. Scott's
1: wearing a big cowboy hat. It's a great photo. I need to do it. Jared, you're going to
2: edit this out. Um, And then we kidnapped Danny because we had a limo taking us to Red Onion for an acoustic gig. And you guys had a video shoot the next day. And you were all concerned about, like, you know. Oh my God, he's going with those guys. He's going to be uh, all well, we, messed up. We were,
1: we were, well, partially jealous, partially jealous, but we knew what kind of shape Danny was going to be in the next day for whatever <laughs> yeah. photo shoot or whatever else we had because he was going to have to unstick his ass off the sidewalk somewhere. you know.
2: Uh, my favorite part about that, that uh, Red Onion, because they, they did this Red Onion gigs and sort of like, you know like what it's like okay yeah so we're sitting there and we're playing acoustic versions of things and i'm like uh, you know i was slightly hammered so i just said like well, i'm not playing guitar it's like <laughs> oh, screw shit. that i'm just gonna sing and so they had you know greg a guitar and i and Reed was there they had him a bass and they had danny a 12 string guitar holy
1: shit! i didn't even know this did this get recorded
2: Oh, I don't think so And okay. so we're doing some I can't, camera, I think it was I was told or something We did one of those songs And Greg does his thing And then he looks at Danny And goes like Go ahead, man Take a solo <laughs> <laughs> On a 12 string On a 12 <laughs> string And he's Gross. He was in good shape But he was like you know like, And he just blew us away Yeah You know It, it was like One of those things Like we're kind of Chuckling to yourself Thinking like Ah, oh, this is gonna be classic and then all of a sudden you're just sure like was. you're just sitting you know quietly in your seat going like damn that boy can play guitar
1: yeah yeah danny aaron is a pretty special guitar player
2: i hear he's like east texas now no, or no, he's
1: he's from uh he's from orange texas which is which is is southeast uh, down towards houston but he lives in san antonio now and you know it's his kids are grown and he's happily married. Good,
2: good. I'm I'm he's glad to hear that.
1: Working and playing. Last I heard, he's you know, he's been in a blues band uh, down there. Plays guitar and harmonica and probably sings and stuff too. I don't remember the name of the band, but you know. oh, it doesn't.
2: I mean, Danny was Danny was a great guy. I mean, I yeah, I love Paul and Paul has done great for you guys and, and Danny yeah. was a great guy and I was just yeah, I just wanted to make sure that he was all right because yeah. he you know he was like me a bit of a mess, but he had a good heart.
1: Yes.
0: So th- this, always had a big heart. This segues nicely into a question I have here on my list. Um, I was hanging out with my buddy, Johnny Venom, a couple of weeks ago, and he pointed out the fact that on the Dangerous Toys Hellacious uh, Acres record in the credits, there is a special thanks to the Waste O' Skin Choir. Yes. <laughs> and so, and George is prominently featured in that list of uh, outlaws and misfits, and uh, along with uh, David Roach and uh, Vicky Chris, James Wright, Chris Wright, Gates, Chris Gates, Vicky Wright, Greg Fiddleman. Yep. Yeah. Greg. Greg.
1: Greg Fiddleman. Greg Fields. Or Greg, Greg Fields. One and yeah. the one and the same.
0: Uh, tell, tell me the story about how that came about and what you got, were you doing gang vocals or something in the studio? Yeah.
2: Yeah. We were doing, you know, we were doing like basically choir vocals. I would say Jason, there was a lot of us.
0: Yeah.
1: There was people singing a lower version and a higher version, just whatever they could muster because there was was beer involved.
2: Yeah. That, that place, that studio, I don't think that studio exists anymore. Was that, but that studio is literally three and a half miles from where I live. Yeah. On Lancashire in North Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. Not even three, maybe two and a half miles. And maybe that was two the miles. Rec-
1: record plant, correct? I-, I think. It, no.
2: It, yeah, it might have been called that. Yeah. But I, I I, mean, I see the building every day. Oh, yeah. When I go to my parole officer. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs>
1: so no, I have. I it, have the have...
2: building's still there, but I don't think it's a studio anymore.
1: Okay. Well, uh, Brian Baker yeah uh it was brian baker uh david roach and chris, chris gates, gates and uh michael hannon mm-hmm. and you and greg and uh vicky james wright yes there were I mean, a bunch of fucking rock stars were there in yeah. my book um and roy thomas baker at the helm
2: yeah he, he produced that album
1: yeah, so you can go from queen to the Waste of skin choir <laughs> there you on, go. on a fucking dime, right? <laughs> uh, on the, the song was Sticks and Stones. Um, but there were some other characters there, too. There were some people that I invited that were just sort of like hangers-on at all the bars in town. Mm. You know, it was people that I just saw every time I went to the cat house. Hey, we're doing this thing. You should just come by because you're like a cockroach right you know?
2: and so there were people i can't even don't talk about ricky rackman like that
1: oh i'm not talking about ricky he was he wasn't there that was i'm kidding oh i know that but there were a couple of people that i just don't remember yeah. the name but they they're, they're credited in there anyway i have video footage of the after party from that day oh where we're upstairs playing pool yeah. Yeah, yeah. I have video footage of all that. I have a photo I have
2: money never to release that.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Hey Dave, can you roll the clip? No, I'm yeah. so so I, so I have a panoramic uh
2: I've seen the panoramic a photographic,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And and everyone's in it and 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 everyone's like, you know, getting ready to, you know, step up to the mic. I mean there's like twenty of us. And uh and they all fit in the photo and check this out. I'm the only one in mid swig. <laughs> I don't even drink anymore. So it's that's why the photo is funny to me, because I'm just like glug glug glug. And everyone else is like, Are we doing this or what? <laughs> so I, I I meant to to open this and uh and talk to you about this. Tell, oh, us, yeah, us, yeah. How, that, um, tell us what this gig was and uh it was Well it was um It was definitely Coconut Teaser. Yeah, it says Coconut Teaser.
2: Because we took, um, it took us a long time to get, we didn't want to go, we refused, LA had this pay to play thing. Right. Where you would buy tickets and you're basically paying to play. Do you think this
1: might have been a Tuesday night, July 24th, 1990? (laughs) It could have been. Yeah.
2: But it wasn't pay to play because we refused to do pay to play. Yeah. So um, we played some clubs in the Valley and, we couldn't get, you know, whiskey at the time was pay-to-play, um, Roxy, all those, you know, the real sunset Strip, so to speak. And it. we had a friend at Niji Management, deals management company, who uh, we begged and prodded, like, oh, my God, her name, Nina? I think it was Nina. I hope so. Uh, called her friend, Carol Miller, who was the head booker at the Coconut Teaser at the time, so like, Hey, give these guys a chance, and so we did really well there, you know. So Coconut Teaser was kind of like our home base in Hollywood. It was like kind of East LA. We weren't as punk as Raji's. and like, and if you're into Hollywood, you'll understand Raji's was kind of like a punk thing and all, and all. But you know, good bands. But we were Coconut Teaser, so we ended up doing recording there. But that's where it gets fuzzy for me because we did a Westwood one recording. They brought their whole semis
1: it, and all that kind of stuff at the stuff. teaser
2: at the teaser. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And we did a four camera shoot
1: before the gig. So and where, then we, where the hell is all that? Audio and video somewhere. Is, oh, <laughs> wow, I would love so, to see that. So,
2: yeah. So they, they had the whole, you know, cause you know, Westwood one at the time had like a rig where they would come yeah. in and they, they'd, they'd uh, dry mic, your guitars, tri-micro-amps, and then they uh, would, you know, mix it on the fly there and then remix it again.
1: Yeah, we did that uh, in Boston with the toys on that LA Guns tour uh, the summer before.
2: Yeah, I mean, they're amazing. They're so good at their job. So, we did that. Now, how the cassette came to happen, I have no idea because I don't, it could have been a...
1: This is Westwood One? The this this it, it underground could be I'm, it,
2: it should be okay. I've, I've listened to it. I've listened, there's um, the versions on that cassette are also on our um, we did this compilation CD with acetate, uh, no song left behind. Okay, right, and that's the same versions, okay, you know, remastered, little remixed, yeah, buffered up. Yeah, but so they had to be you know they it wasn't just somebody with a boom box I mean it no, was no, going no. into it was going into multi-track
1: I always thought that this was a board at least a board you know a mix for right mixing board right that's what so I think
2: it was western when I I can't remember oh well I can't remember lunch yesterday but I can't remember why we had that. Because if we were on Warner Brothers, why would we have that might have been a promo? Well or before Warner or or it could have been when the like the bidding war, so to speak, that we true. had something. But Westwood one would have been after Warner Brothers. Right. I don't know.
1: So, so ask Greg. So the first the, the first record was ninety, correct? Yeah. Okay, that's what I thought. So but this was we didn't have a record in our hands, me and the toys guys riding around in a van. Uh, to and from rehearsals or video shoot or whatever it was, but this was stuck in the player.
2: That has to be before Warner Brothers, because you see that wonderful artwork on the front? Yeah. That's me.
1: <laughs> this is your handwriting. I know I know this handwriting. That's
2: that's that's my handwriting. Yeah, of course it is. Like yeah. Greg goes, like, come up with something. Yeah, give me and, a you know, start. Everyone's, ex- everyone's yeah. expecting like, like some kind, kind of up. like, like, this is what he came Mona up. With. And I'm like, like, no, I'm just gonna write it <laughs> out. Yeah, you just
0: write on there. But he's, the, a, he's, a, he's a better singer and guitar player than he is an artist. What about? I the, know exactly.
1: The, uh, this is this is like high dollar shit because you know. I'm, tell,
2: I'm, I'm telling you though, it's not black from a graphic and white, artist, layout artist view. Yeah, yeah. I'm emphasizing the band name. Yes. And then I'm emphasizing live. Sure. And then the rest is just gibberish.
1: Well, it has the. That's all in in black on on white. Plain, yeah. you know, paper bag kind of thing, but the red uncensored is makes it fancy.
2: Well, see, that was Greg's idea. He bought the stamp.
1: Oh, good for Greg. You know, that Greg did all right. Can we talk about Greg for two seconds?
2: Absolutely. Yeah.
1: I um, talk to him all the time. Yeah. Let's talk about him because he's not here.
2: Right. <laughs> I like oh, that.
1: So, uh, Greg Fields. I knew it's... that name forever and ever. And do you remember me hijacking your rehearsal? I was in the '66 yeah. Lincoln, the gold, <laughs> the gold '66 Lincoln with suicide doors. We were eating Bavarian pretzels.
2: Yes, and it had a gas leak, so you could smell fuel inside.
1: Yeah, so. nothing but the best for Rhino Bucket.
0: <laughs> but, we should you know, tell we should tell people that Greg is the guitar player in Rhino Bucket at the time. Yeah,
1: I'm sorry. Yeah. So yeah. Greg, it was Greg's idea for the red uncensored on this cassette which yeah. is all I knew at the time. Uh me and the Toys guys. So so I I I quickly became buddies with you guys because I just like I, I would have washed your feet if you would have left. No, me.
2: no, it's birds of a right. feather. It's, it's the same thing as like you, uh, dangerous toys. You guys, members of junkyard. Um,
1: yeah. Okay.
2: <laughs> um, uh, the poor, some Australian yeah, bands, yeah. Angels, and all that. Yeah. You know, you just you you see. Um, Here is a person who has gone a, the same path of being determinative, and and following their dreams, and is confident. And confident enough not to fuck with me and i'm confident enough not to fuck with them and now we can be brothers
1: yeah that's right i, I that's what it, it was I, I call it that class of 89 because yeah there were a lot of bands that i mean they they didn't become maybe as uh as like you said brothers but there were a lot of good bands that, yeah I mean, like, uh, you know, Circus of Power is always a band I. Oh yeah, in, uh, and, yeah, they out. were a great band. Yeah. So anyway, I, I want to get I want to get into this. So yeah. so you know, Greg, I, I I hijacked your rehearsal. I I was playing all. I, I, I give me your guitar, George. I play I played all your songs while you sang. <laughs> I played your Les Paul, blah blah, and uh, I have all have it all on video. Oh wow! Here, hey, who, here are you in the corner. Hold this video camera. Watch this. I'm going to hijack the songs, and I, uh, <laughs> you guys were so gracious. And I think about oh, them of course, I, yeah. They probably thought I was a fucking idiot. God, damn, no, 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 no. We never. Idiot. We uh, you know,
2: Rhino Bacon had a, a, like a social problem in the fact that. <laughs>
1: That could have no, gone this, anywhere. No, this is true. It's make make like, it good. Make it good. This could go anywhere. No, Probably it's like it has well, a certain our, our problem.
2: Our, our initial uh, <laughs> attitude towards the world were like, if you weren't with us, you were against us.
1: Oh, shit. And,
2: and, okay. and that kind of, uh, and we took it to the limit. And we still yeah. kind of do. Yeah. But at the same time, we had the wherewithal to, when we saw brothers and sisters, that were yeah. real. Yeah. We were ready to stand by them and fight to the death for them. Well, and you weren't,
1: you weren't ever going to be able to get rid of us.
2: No, 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 well, but we no, never wanted yeah. to because we well, saw I you know immediately that. as being real. Yeah. So, you know, that wasn't it. but you know, when you run into some other people, I'm not going to say names because No, I don't I, I don't want to. Yeah. It, it, it's it's not relevant. No,
1: it's cheap it's cheap anyway. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And when but uh, you know, it's like yeah, right. This conversation is the only conversation we're ever gonna have in our life. Yeah. That's cool. Move on. Yeah. But the people you care about, the people you meet that are real, and you can tell right away.
1: Yeah.
2: It's you know, it's kinda like I don't know what it is, but you you know, I could walk into a club and meet a million musicians or be in like a monster's of rock boat and meet a million people and go like, Yeah. You know, and not about their talent. No but just by like, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're not going to be friends. Yeah. You know, no, we're cool.
1: <laughs> yeah. Nothing it, against
2: you. It's all good.
1: That's right. And you're I not don't even, care. you're not even looking at it, at them going, Hey, your loss or, or my loss, you're not even seeing it that way. No, no. It's
2: just like, no, we're good. And then you yeah. see someone like spike. Yeah. You know, and you go like, ah, yeah. Okay. I yeah. see you.
0: Yeah. I see the journey in your eyes. That's mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. We, we had a, we had a conversation similar to this with, uh, with a previous guest, Frank Meyer from the Street and Cheetahs. And he was he was saying that, you know, uh, guys like us can just spot each other a mile away. You know, like, yeah, like George, you know, when we got on camera today, you saw the junkyard shirt that I'm wearing and boom. Uh, OK. You know, it's like, OK, we could be friends. You know, you could just kind of tell. Well, yeah, it's
2: it's it's, it's be, David. It's beyond the junkyard shirt. It's just you know, like how you're acting, how you're being. You know, you're being natural. You're being honest. You're being real. I just want reality in my life. Yeah, you know, and that's why I love Jason. I love the guys in Dangerous Toys. I love the guys in Broken Teeth. You know, I love most of the guys in Junkyard. I keep making a joke, <laughs> but, I, <laughs> okay.
0: Okay.
2: but I had to be honest with you. I love yeah. all the guys in Junkyard. There you go. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I do. I uh, Sincerely, they, you know, they, they were always good. Brian Baker was cool, really cool to us. Yeah. You know, before he left the bad religion. And I'm, yeah. you know, I was so saddened to hear Clay passed away.
1: Yeah, it's terrible.
2: Even though he hadn't been in a band for a long time. Yeah. But because um, yeah. Clay was, you know, a, I mean, to me, Clay was a little bit like... Clay was the Cliff Burden of Junkyard.
1: You're right.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like that analogy. Wow. hmm
0: That's it. So I was like, oh. Yeah. We, sh- we should uh, tell people we were talking about Greg a minute ago. Oh, Greg, time. yeah. He's doing Greg. great. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. To say the least. <laughs> oh, yeah, belief. Greg.
1: So, yeah, that guy. Oh, great. So Greg yeah. Fields, as I, as I took it to anything Rhino Bucket related, it was always Ooh. Greg Fields. So when... He didn't change his name he just used his real last name, Fiddleman. Right. And tell us about when because I was brokenhearted when I heard he was leaving the band and I never really heard or knew exactly why. And it was as soon as it kind of hit me like a ton of bricks as to why, I was like, Well, no wonder he left Rhino Bucket. Why did he leave Rhino Bucket? (laughs) Why did he leave Rhino (laughs) Bucket? (laughs) George, I want you to tell puzzled. the story. I yeah. want you to tell the story about his, road, Hell,
2: I remember I
1: his, his road after rhino bucket. What, what?
2: Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. Okay. Where yeah. Is so like, well, Greg and Greg and I have, uh, fortunately rekindled and this is, you know, many, many years ago, yep. maybe decades ago, our friendship. We never, we were never unfriendly, but we've actually become friends. Um, again, he was my best friend during rhino bucket and, uh, you know, we're still really good friends. We just don't see each other that much.
1: Yeah,
2: um, because he's busy. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, producing these you know bands like Metallica. Uh, yeah, you know Slipknot. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, going <laughs> to go and
1: on and on. Yeah. Um. But when he was in Rhino Bucket, and then he decided that he needed to. Well, on- he
2: it was it was a weird situation because he. Kind of, uh, he wanted the band to end, wow, and then he would move on. What it's the take I have now, okay. You know, there were there may be lawyers and managers who will agree with this take because we had meetings, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's just where he was at at the time, okay. Um, since then, uh, you know, I mean, the guy has worked as ass off he's super talented done a bunch of you know produce a bunch of albums engineered even
1: more i love now he, i love his guitar solos by the way
2: yeah yeah no so he's you know that just you know we talk we still talk um probably bi-weekly just as friends
1: right yeah
2: um which is a really fortunate thing within the Rhino Bucket thing. is like we haven't really had any major fallouts within. And I talked to Jackie, you know, for those of you who don't know, uh, Jackie is, was Liam and is now Jackie. Yeah. Um, the original drummer, Liam Jason, became Jackie Inks. Um, we still talk. But yeah, okay. Greg. Uh, yeah,
1: be sure to tell uh, Jackie that, that we say hello.
2: Yes, I will. Yeah, absolutely. I want
1: to, I want to jump I knew in Liam on and, and I know both of them. I yeah. Well, yeah. they're the
2: same person. Just yeah. one is more comfortable yes. as who they are. I, than, I
0: like that. then the that's, other
2: one that's important, you know, and that's, that's the thing. That's the way that's a, that's my takeaway from it. Yeah. You I, know, it's,
0: I, I did, not I did a little research uh, before this interview and uh, I, I did not know this, but uh, Liam, um, I, I had no idea, it was the drummer uh, in Warrior. Right. Yes. I remember living in, I lived in San Antonio, grew up in San Antonio. We had this Joe, uh, this DJ named Joe Anthony on 99.5 KISS FM, and he played Rhino Bucket, and he played uh, a lot of obscure stuff that otherwise probably wouldn't have been heard, but we were aware of these bands in San Antonio because of Joe, and he played this song, uh, Fighting for the Earth. By yes. Fighting the-
2: for the Earth. Oh, Where would we be uh, without the ability to let our minds wander? wander,
0: what, a, wander. <laughs> what a killer, killer song. And I had no idea that, that Oh, they term, were a great band. their drummer was Liam. Uh, I mean, there's a weird backstory
2: to that, David. I mean, like, to be honest with you, um, I was like 15 and... I'm going to call her Jackie because yeah. that's who she identifies yeah, with. Course, now. Her. Of course. Yeah.
0: Um,
2: and Jackie, um, Jackie's younger brother, Joe, Joey, um, went to high school with me and he knew I was playing music and we kind of hung out. We were good friends. And uh, he goes like, Warriors do this showcase at the Starwood, which is a club that just ended before my time where I could have gone to clubs. It was in Santa Monica and... Who cares? So, um,
1: When did you come over from Finland? Because you were born... Oh, well, I was Raven. really
2: young. I was five, but I went back okay. and forth my whole yeah. life. Yeah, okay. Um, so we went to the showcase, and there was Jackie playing drums with Warrior, and they were doing the whole thing, and it was fantastic. And it was like, you know, it was like this... That was probably my first live gig? Wow. My second one would have been seeing Warrior at the Troubadour and then a third was AC D C in eighty one at the forum. Wow. And then my fourth was Rolling Stones eighty one at the Coliseum. Wow, dude. So, so I went up like the mountain quickly and was like <laughs> I <laughs> so, yeah,
1: but, what's cool but I, is, but I remember like, slightly underground music in in your yeah. earliest year. <laughs> that's that's amazing right there that your first like real gig live gig was was fucking warrior at the starwood which is an right empty. and it was a
2: showcase so there was only about like maybe 25 30 people wow. there they were all industry and then these two drunk asses in the corner going that's my brother and i'm like i'm with him yeah. you know it's like <laughs> but so yeah then years later jackie had the wherewithal where we needed um you know, we needed a drummer, and again, Joey came through and said, "Like, hey, look, you know, my friend George, they 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 need to do a, a, you know like a change." And you know, and she had already been she what she'd been in like this bands Mondo Crickets and stuff like that, which are really good. And so, kudos to her. She showed up, and you know, here we are. Now Jackie was a little bit older than us. You know, but, you know, here we are, 23, 24 year olds, just lunatics, just like, Whoa! <laughs> and she's like, uh. but it worked out. And, you know, I think she was uh, a big reason why we got it, our shit together and got signed within 18 months. Um, one of the things that she, you know, she, you know, in part was like, if they're not with us, they're against us, which, again, we took too far. But the other thing is, like, we got offered to do demo deals with, like. Every label, every major label in LA, and, wow. and and it was Jackie who said, "We're not interested in making demos. We will make albums." Right, and that cut the forest down. Right, so it ended up being Warner's Geffen, and there was one other. But
1: so Jackie reaffirmed your reason for living, like the reason you had Rhino Bucket was no, just...
2: absolutely. I mean, I you know brought that experience and also. A ph- phenomenal drummer. Yes, had a swing. You know, yeah. like we've been blessed. You know, we you know we've had Jackie, we've had Simon Wright, phenomenal drummer. Yes, uh, Tony Buso Is a good drummer. Uh, yes. Dave's a great drummer. Yes. Tony's great too. Yeah, he's just abrasive as a personality. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. I know he'll be the first to admit it. I love him, but so yeah, like, and Jackie was excuse me jackie's dad jackie and joey's dad was like a big band i think trombone player Mm. or something like that so she just had this natural ability for arrangement and that gave us an edge yeah yeah like musically it gave us an edge because she would come in and goes like and we were literally for every like change within like going from the verse to the Pre-chorus, going to chorus, verse, going to solo. That's we would what try out that's ten to twelve different Dude, like ideas.
1: That's what I love about Inside Outside. That song, the way that builds into the chorus, it's it's classic rock. It. That's Jackie. It's un. It's it's amazing. It's got this riff that you may or may not feel like you've heard before, which is always a good problem to have. Yeah, you you feel this build happening and the melody you're singing over that build between verse build up into chorus. That little gap there is like this like swell that's happening. And then you get to the chorus, which is it's, no, it's a funny, funny story. But so
2: we were playing it one night. There was a band called Hardly Dangerous.
1: Yes. I know them.
2: Yeah, remember I think Bethany was the bass player. That's correct. Yeah. And she's with um
1: she was with uh 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 not Alcatraz, but uh the singer yeah. yeah um
2: Oh yeah. god, she's gonna kill us now. Yeah, Graham she bonnet.
1: Is. Graham, Graham Bonnet, thank you.
0: Graham Bonnet, thank you. Rainbow. I, they're still together.
1: Ranger, Rainbow.
0: Yeah, I saw her yeah. with uh with Graham. Uh, a couple yeah. of years ago in San Antonio. Did yeah, a gig, still- uh gig. Uh, uh,
1: he he went on right before the toys a handful of years ago in Dallas. Oh. And Bethany was playing bass for. Yeah,
2: there's there are a couple. They're still together. Oh, they are. Oh, okay, that's that's great. I I mean I hope so. Uh, so anyway, so they played there. Yeah. And the the drummer. And I really used to remember her name. Oh God, I'm so bad with names. But she was a really, she was really cute and really talented. But so we, then we go on, it's a small crowd. And Len Fagan was booking uh, coconut teaser then you know before Kara Miller, who was his assistant, took over. And so we're playing our thing, and Axel Rose walks in, right? And this is 1989, 89, yeah. 88. Yeah. And so, you know, and act and and Len's like talking us up to Axel's it's like it's, you know, like, you know, check out this band, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, he's being really polite. He's being really great. And afterwards, uh, you know, we, uh, I don't know if you remember the cooking and the teasers at outside patio. Yep. And we're there and, you know, he was super cool. Really nice guy. Fuck the press. The guy's a nice guy. So he leaves. And one of the guys at the show was Jeff Fenster, I believe his name was. Uh, from Geffen Records. And Axel had gone up to him and said, like, hey man, I don't care if you sign this band, but buy that song. And that song was inside outside.
1: And there it is. <laughs> I rest my case, motherfucker. It's wow. it's a brilliant it's a perfect rock and roll song. It belongs in every there's a place for it in every fucking movie, on every radio station. Please go buy some Rhino Bucket Records. Inside
2: Outside is also the reason we got the parental warning advisor sticker on our first album. Awesome! Wow, that probably helped sell it because it it actually kind of hurt, but uh, because the line is like uh, "Little Lisa with a needle in her eye."
1: Yeah, that's right,
2: and. You know, we I argued and argued and said, like... I don't like,
1: see it. I don't see why
2: that yeah, I, was... Meta- <laughs> that it was metaphorical and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But we still got it.
0: I uh, want to ask you about... Um, uh, I I love the song beat to death like a dog. And I noticed mm-hmm. in the songwriting credits, there's somebody named S Jones credited Steve. along Steve, Steve Jones. In, yeah. Okay, not from so, the sex pistols. Uh, uh, no. I was, I was taking a swing in the dark and I was hoping to hit a home run, but not that Steve Jones. Do you
1: remember? I, I went with you guys over to Steve Jones's house in LA one time. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget it. And we Steve- just like hung out and had a couple of beers or something. I think that you were going over there just to meet with him about something, some technical thing, but yeah, was, no, we, we had, had to work out, out the,
2: the, the splits with it.
1: That's that's right. And it was, you guys were talking about beat to death, like a dog. Yeah. So, and uh, super- so
2: Steve, Steve Jones was a singer for a band called the unforgiven. Okay. Oh. And they were on Chrysalis wow. okay. and they, they were, we used to see him at my Ma- Madam Wong's West. Which again, dates
0: me. I'm 142 years old, by the way. You look um, great. You all look a day I, of 22. Right? Day. Right? Yeah. You know? Fucking it was amazing. that so motorcycle like, accident.
1: Yeah. Motorcycle <laughs> accident.
2: Yeah. You know, just... just <laughs> if you hear news reports about dead virgins, just ignore.
1: Yeah. It's just <laughs> yes. you feeding in so, the um, of L.A. Right.
2: Yeah. Uh, Steve uh, was a really good songwriter. He was a, this band called Unforgiven. Hmm. They were really they were, they were like they were in LA but they had a very a non-LA li- like vibe.
1: I I feel like he might have been a little bit longer in the tooth than we are. Like he had been around Yeah. The- yeah,
2: yeah, but- no. And they had this great guitar player. I wish he, I knew remembered his name. So he had this song. He had a one, number one hit with Asia. Wow. Which is like again dates us but Like, he wrote this number one hit with Asia, and then he had this other great song, uh, Can't Beat Me Now. I think we covered it, but we never released it.
1: Oh, wow. But then
2: uh, Beat It Like a Dog, he gave us a song, and we just chopped it up. Yeah. So when we got done chopping it up, we, you know, we said, like, hey, you know, these are the splits. And he he was, like, he just gave it away. It was was really nice of him.
0: Wow, that's amazing. your vocal on that track is unbelievable. Every time I hear that, I just I just love the blood curdling. I mean, it just sounds like you're about to pass out. <laughs> it just oh, many three, times, yeah. I mean, so I remember one time because we
2: did it. We did that in Memphis, and I remember one time it was this weird studio. Terry Manning had this old, like weird TV type of studio where the main recording area was like on this floor level. Then there were stairs, and the actual booth was above you, kind of like a radio TV studio. Yeah, Rose and, and I just blasted my ass off, and I could hear Greg on attack, but on on a talkback going to Terry's like, "Well, that's a take," and Terry's going like, "No." So that was another two days out of my life. It's like, uh oh, Greg
1: looking looking out for you while the producer chops you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
2: Well, Terry Manning was just like, no, we could do better.
0: I, I, I just love your vocal on that track. I feel like I get phlegm on me every time I hear it. it just <laughs> <starts> <laughs> right. You know it's rock and roll
1: when you feel like you've been violated. So. Yeah, well, exactly.
0: I, I feel like, uh, oh, my God, just a, like a lung just came out of the speaker and landed in her lap <laughs> or something.
2: Well, you got to get a tattoo on your ass that says exit only.
0: <laughs>
1: nice. Well, the, uh, the, the top note... Is um is I think what Dave's talking about that, you know the the top note oh, at the end. We also when you say beat every time you go through and you say the the first time you say beat to death like a dog, you know stop beat you know that first yeah. beat word right there that is like gold, and when you're sort of ad libbing throughout the chorus dog right you do the steps yeah. down and yeah. the and the outro stuff. We're even turning all the ad lib on 100, uh, of course, but it's gold, that first punch in the face on the very first. Oh, thanks.
2: Well, you know, a lot of that comes from just frustration. It's like, yeah, you want me to do it again? (laughs) I thought the last one was good. Yeah. Yeah. Again? Again.
1: Yeah. And
2: then you have that, you know, Jason, you've been in this world where like you're in the vocal booth. You know, at this point, I'm looking up at they're like Greek gods above me, and I'm like this peasant, you know, singing in front of a fucking mic, and you know, and he's go, and you like, you're, you're done with this take, and you're going like,
1: it's a scene from okay. Gladiator, right? Right? And, and, Gladiator. and yeah,
2: <laughs> and, and, and they're sitting there talking to each other, and they're laughing, and like, ha ha ha, and they go like, uh, talk back. Yeah, that was great. Maybe one more time, and you're like, <laughs> fuck you for the input. <laughs>
0: yeah. so eventually
2: funny. you get angry and you know maybe that was his plan i don't know if it, it, it worked that's uh, funny I'm that gonna, you say I'm that
0: because gonna... I, I i saw uh i read an interview with bruce dickinson from iron maiden and he said very much the same thing on uh run to the hills that scream at the end of run to the hills is just basically born out of frustration because uh, who would that be? Rod Smallwood, I guess, was producing that record. Or Martin. It might Birch, be. Right? Martin Birch. Yeah. Martin Birch. Martin Birch. Martin Birch. Birch. Smallwood's the manager. Uh, Birch is uh, in the studio going, uh, let's hear it again, Bruce. Let's hear it again. And Bruce is just like, Jesus Christ, I can't scream this anymore. And the, <laughs> and the take that you hear on the, on the record is him basically just frustrated as hell, screaming his last long. Well, album. see,
2: that's a sign like, you know, like Terry was, that's a sign of a good producer where they're like, Yeah. Okay. You know, uh, sometimes what their role is to get you
1: out of your stop,
2: stop performing. Yeah. And just be
1: yeah. Out of your head, get out of your head. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Stop singing. Like you're trying to sing and just sing, stop
1: thinking about it. Right.
2: And it's frustrating to go through that because you're like, I'm well, going to no, climb up these stairs and I'm going to punch you right in your dick.
1: <laughs> it's because there's no audience to feed. To feed right. and, of. But then
2: no, when you hear it, you're like, Oh wow. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Thanks. Yeah, thanks, yeah. thanks man. Thanks so for getting me, that out of me. me. A little bit all over the place here, uh, or, or kind of take you back a little bit. I, I want to say the, on the first record, uh, is that is it true that it's david roach singing backup vocals all throughout that record no 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 it's not okay
2: no david roach sang vocals on the third record
1: on the third record
2: on one specific song which i cannot remember
1: oh shit!
2: no i remember um on Hmm. the record pain right we needed something else there that the guys couldn't get and i couldn't get on my own and i you know dave might
1: remember the song for some reason i thought
2: no the first record it was you know just us but see that comes that's how like things you know manifest themselves he absolutely sang background vocals uh or actually it was like dual vocals on a, on a bridge for me and a chorus. And then, um, on a third album on a song, but then people hear that. And it's like, you know, you, you pass it along. It's like, it, it starts off with like, I like pie. And it ends up with like, I hate everyone. You know? it's like, you know, who knows?
1: <laughs> so pain here, here's uh here's your brain on drugs, George. So you got, uh, Song 1 is Pain, Song 2 I Stand Before You. Uh, of course. There was
2: one that were, there was a too, difficult too lyric talk. to
1: sing. Too much talk. Uh blow by blow, mad maggie. It should be credited on there. Bird on a wire, what'd you expect? I was told hard grind and world gone mad. Uh, produced by Ricky Delana. Moonstone Records.
2: I choose not to speak of them.
1: Yeah, you don't have to. I just thought it was <laughs> in- interesting. Uh, still still managed by Tom. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he always thought it was cool that that Dangerous Toys was walking around all over L.A. saying, Rhino Bucket's our favorite band, by the way. <laughs> yes. I remember talking to Tom a couple times, uh, Tom Moeller. Uh, let's see. Uh no, it has writing credits. It uh, should have
2: some songwriting uh, or like additional vocals by.
1: Yeah, I'm looking for that. I'm, I'm I read slow. Um,
2: We're notorious for not crediting people, by the way.
1: Well, that's why I was
2: <laughs> on, our, on our on our second album, which caused so much turmoil with our friends and family, um, and. Uh, Get used to it. Our thanks list was simply write a bucket once it thanks all their friends and family. Yeah,
0: click. <laughs> yeah,
2: <laughs> and everybody lost their shit, and we're like, really?
0: Yeah, that, that that's what Broken Teeth does now. The, the first few Broken Teeth albums, the special thanks list was re- very long and detailed, and now their records are just. Thanks to our friends and family. Right. <laughs> so, you
1: know, you get, you get lazy and you're just like, I've already thanked all these people on every fucking record I've done. Right. Since I was 18 right. years old. Fuck this shit.
2: Right. And you're and like, then okay. also you also get to the point where like one guy starts saying like, Well, I should have been thanked before that guy because you know. And you're like,
1: yeah. uh, He's mad because he's out of order, and now you can say, yeah, but you're being out of order right now. (laughs) Oh, that's for sure. Sorry, I don't. I don't see Mister Roach's name anywhere on this. I know we paid him. Well, that least, and I I
2: bought him a like a half pint or something.
1: Well, that's. And I know the
2: studio where we did it. I remember that. I cannot remember. I remember Dave saying, "Wow, that's a weird phrase to sing." Like, uh, okay, the, like the to to sync it up to a beat.
1: Oh, it was okay. weird. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, I can't remember the song.
1: Sometimes uh, the uh, and this is the big deal with me is sometimes the um, vowel shape of a word will make me change i'll try to sing a certain word that has a weird vowel shape it feels not it's hard to sing i have to use too much air to sing i'll change the fucking lyric i'll just throw that word out and put those something else in there that has i'll just way
2: sing way it wrong
1: bigger shape
2: like yes. you know
0: yeah
1: just just make it whatever shape you want you go oh that's what he's saying right there you know
2: Right, well, exactly. You figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, t- uh,
0: tell us real quick, George, how, how is it that you uh, met Simon Wright and eventually got him into the band? Because, um, you know, he was in ACDC, played on three records with ACDC before he joined you guys. Uh, that's, a, that's a pretty huge score, I, w- I would imagine. So how did you cross paths and, and eventually get him into the band?
2: Oh yeah it's
0: it's weird um
2: i'm not exactly sure what the relationship was but when liam now jackie uh, she left the band and we were like all right because you know and and it was difficult we had you know her and i had some difficulties between each other we're good now we've always been good we've always been strong-headed against each other but So she leaves the band, and we're going like, well, who do we get? And Jackie's, who at this time is still Liam, fiance or wife knows Simon's wife. And Simon's living in Fresno, playing in uh, some Fresno cover band or some kind of band, or doing something, you know, among other things. He's always doing something. So she calls up Desiree, that's Simon's ex-wife, who's unfortunately passed away, and goes, hey, Rhino Bucket's looking for a drummer. So um, we kind of talked briefly and we're like, OK, well, you know, I mean, we knew he knew how to play drums, but we really want to kind of get to know the guy. Yeah. You know, you don't want rock star coming in and, you know, it's Rhino Bucket and you're like, oh, No. And he was the opposite. We got together at, I I still remember, the Beverly Garland Hotel, which is like on Vineland, just north of Ventura. We had a great time. We came in. We played. It was just natural. It was just great. It was like immediately, again, like we talked earlier, all of us, it's like, you know, you see that guy a mile away, you know he's one of you. Yeah. Yeah. When Simon walked in that bar and we had a beer, he was one of us. And yeah. we were one of him. Yeah. So we're talking he's a phenomenal drummer. Yeah. So that, I mean, it, it was really weird and simple. There was no management involved. There's no labels involved. There's no attorneys involved. It's just like, yeah, all right, I'll do it. And since then, he's done a number of things with us.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I always thought it was really cool that uh, you guys we're able to get him into the band, and uh yeah, because you know your your style is very similar to ACDC. He seems like a natural fit. What? Yeah. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Call me crazy, but uh, uh, the the reason dave, I ask is he, because dave it's be like,
1: careful, man. He's going to hang up on us.
0: <laughs> no, no.
2: <laughs> no we're the, closer to the Angels, by the way. If you knew music, yeah, That's yeah, cool. yeah, If but, you knew music, I don't mean to be that rude, David.
0: No, I, I know, I know who the Angels are, but I. I, there, the reason I bring it up is because Simon, given his background and given your background, it seems like almost worlds apart. And somehow you guys. Oh, made absolutely. It but truth be told, um, Simon's.
2: Oh, he's going to sh- fucking punch me. Simon's background and my background at the time that we came together for time wasn't that different. <laughs> you
0: know? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Your own, concrete. that's a loaded gun, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's great. I mean, I yeah. again, an- another guy that I talked to all the time, just phenomenal drummer, yeah. Uh, different guys, than Jackie, Jackie was different than him, and we and both of them had incredible strength. Um, in my perfect world, if I if I was ever forced to sit down and play the entire Rhino Bucket catalog. I would demand that the two of them were there because you know and Dave I love Dave um because there's one has a has a genre qua of themselves mm-hmm. and the other one has a genre qua and you have, you appreciate both
1: yeah yeah well that's that's fair it's it sounds like a you know, a bit of a of a logistics fiasco about, you know, who who, okay, you play on the songs you played on and I'll play on the songs that wait a minute, I you know
2: No, no, you just set up two drum sets and Oh,
1: I see what you're saying.
2: You hire a bunch of people to sing your songs and you sit up in the stands having a glass of champagne and go like I
1: get it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Kiss should be doing now. Gene and Paul should be oh. watching from afar, counting their money while some young bucks are on stage. Hey, I wanted to. Uh, it, I'm not. I don't want to say. Do you remember that time? But uh, this would be uh, me just reminding you. You and Simon were at my wedding after party yes. at, the A- at the Rainbow.
2: At the Rainbow, absolutely. Was,
1: uh, March eighteenth. Uh, yes, with Demi, mm-hmm. uh, uh, 2012. Yes, almost ten years ago.
2: I remember that.
1: Yes, i I, I was. I, I wanted to say, do you remember that? And
2: no, and- the weird, the funny thing is, Jason. It's like if you ask Demi, and for people who want to know who Demi is, Demi is Demetrius Bermuda. He's the tour manager for Dio Disciples and the Dio hologram thing. But he also worked with Rhino Buck and has been our dear friend. And he worked with us for like decades. Yes, he you know he went all the way from drum tech to tour manager to Booker, and wonderful guy. So if you ask Dimi, he'll testify to this that I hate the rainbow. (laughs) Okay, I
1: I'm not even going to ask you why. Every every
2: no, it was just. The Rainbow was like the cool kids' table at the cafeteria. Yeah. And I just never really wanted to be a part of the cool kids. I wanted to do my own thing. So I always, you know, they have good food. And, you know, no, I have a friend there who works there, and she's going to hate me for this. But um, I never wanted to go there. And I, and I have been there a handful of times. Sure. But when Dimi said, like, yeah, hey, we're going to have the after party for Jason at the Rainbow, I was like, oh. And I go, I have to go.
1: I love so you. One of the, you're one of the few I, times
2: I love, that I've, I love you,
1: George. Thank you one for of the it.
2: few times that I've, I've actually gone <laughs> willingly to the rainbow and gone like, oh, let's have a good time. But yeah, I, we, I remember that night.
1: That's rainbow agoraphobia, right?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. um, <laughs> here's the deal is and we're we're probably going to start winding this this hang hang out uh down here in a second but you know uh thank you for you and simon uh coming to my wedding after party me and kate uh appreciated that demi appreciated that um the food was great uh it was a great time and almost 10 years ago but you know i just want to tell you something george and this is something that you know you're that has to do with the rainbow a little bit and you know the cool kids uh they're looking over at you and here's i bet my money that most of them are looking over at you for, they're sure they're the cool kids there's they have their table and they got all their people there but they're all they notice you and they look at you and they they're saying god i wish i could be like that fucking guy." Mm.
2: They might, but I wouldn't be there.
1: <laughs> <laughs> when you are there, it's you're a fucking unicorn. And they see that unicorn. When, go, when I him.
2: when I am the unicorn that is blowing Skittles out of my ass, they'll go like, I want to be that guy. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. That's rare. Yeah. Uh, I know. I, we'll I appreciate the,
2: the sentiment, uh, Jason. Yeah. So yeah. thank you so much. I, I really appreciate that. Of course. No, I mean, that. It wasn't I wasn't judging people who went to the rainbow like no, I know I you're not don't, you know and I wasn't judging that don't it even was just like I that. don't I didn't want to be you know I don't know how do you explain it it's like ah uh, it's, like it's like cheerleaders it's yeah. like yeah they're cute but I don't want to know you
1: yeah no yeah <laughs> fuck all that no I hear you loud and clear it's like we're where wherever it is, kind of a tourist attraction. Why would I want to go there? Right. And
2: I, whenever you see that guy or that girl or that young couple or old couple that are kind of like standing a little bit away from the crowd, look a little different. Those are the ones you gravitate to. It's like, hey, you know, right. how can I make your day better? Yeah. You know, you want to come into the show. It's like, yeah. you know, thank God you're not wearing leather print.
1: Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah,
2: and yeah. and if you are, bless you for trying to put fifty pounds of leather print in a fucking twenty pound bag because it's yeah. looking awesome, baby.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. George, thank you very, uh, oh, very man. much. Very, oh, thank very you.
2: Much. You guys have been great. It's been a real pleasure. So, how you doing, Larry? You good? Yeah, stuff? I'm, I'm fantastic. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so we could go. You realize okay. we we may have to do a part two because we really could just kind of like milk the shit out of this
2: anytime i'm i'm here for you guys all the time i'm i'm available
0: great thanks george great yeah this has been a this has been a great hang we appreciate your time and uh and and all your stories and uh i know jason appreciate your friendship no i
2: I mean i love jason and and it was you know great to meet you again david Yeah, and uh I, i really appreciate the you had really good questions you know it's like you know, talking to you guys, it's it's a it's a it's a conversation. It's a sit down, like we could be breaking bread. Yeah. You know, well, I hate the cookie cutter, you know, interviews where they're like, uh, and I, I just I don't even want to talk about it because you're, you're just like, right. how can I engage you in a conversation when you're asking questions that are mundane? Yeah. yeah. You know. So well, I then, really appreciate David, Jason, uh,
1: Jared. Are you listening? He's in there. He's in He's there. In there. Yeah. yeah. He hears you. You
0: can throw shit. He's shallow. saying like, um,
2: fuck this guy.
0: Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, George, we, we thank you so much for your time. And we wish you, you. uh we wish you luck on the, the upcoming uh European tour, man. Go out there and knock him dead. I know you will. And uh we Oh yeah,
2: it. yeah. We're gonna have a great time. And also if you're at the Monsters of the Mountain, come up there. I don't know what the hell that's gonna be all about, but I'm really looking forward to it because it's gonna be uh we're gonna to get together with the band for like uh a half a week before that, get ourselves uh geared re- up and
1: one rehearsal is all you need, buddy. No, I you know we're gonna do more than that because it's kinda of like one and a yeah, half. Yeah.
2: Well it's kinda of like a? I mean I can in a weird way I look at like a sports team. It's like are you really gonna go look at your favorite sports teams and like, ah, fuck it. We don't need to practice. Let's just go play.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's how that goes. That you're done. Where are we going to eat? As you're
2: halfway through the solo section, going like,
1: "Ha, that's good enough."
2: (laughs) They'll never know.
1: They'll have a great time seeing the return of Rhino Bucket for the first yeah, time in a few absolutely. years at that absolutely. gig. And, uh, you know, it's all of the regular players. Uh, it, there's a there's a winger. There's a vixen where there's a winger. There's a vixen, you know,
2: and there's where there's a Rhino Bucket. There usually is a kicks.
1: Yep. Yeah. Yep. There, there is a kicks. And that makes it easy on your team a little bit, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, gentlemen. George, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you you so much. Thank you for your time. I love you all. Absolutely. And with that, folks, I'm Metal Larry, Uh, (laughs) signing off on behalf of my co-host, Jason McMaster, and our guest this afternoon, George DeLivo from the Mighty Rhino Bucket. Thank you for listening.